Look, I believe in one simple truth. You don't have to be superhuman to be a superhero. There are heroes all around us. Heroes of culture, business, philanthropy, and technology. And on this show, I'm going to talk to them all. My name is Joe Anthony, and this is Hero Talk. Welcome to another episode of Hero Talk, where we talk to ordinary people doing extraordinary things, heroes of culture, philanthropy, technology, society, uh, those who all have one thing in common. They want to shake shit up. They want to change the world, make it a better place. Today, I'm here with a special guest, Daniel Saint, founder and chief conspirator uh, of the influencer marketing firm uh, NSFW, and for, for those that don't know what that acronym means, it's not safe for work. <laughs> What's up, man? How you doing? Ah, things are good. Things are busy. Good. Awesome. Well, thank you for being here. I'm really excited to talk to you. Your, your, your story is extremely interesting, and, and as I was doing research, your trajectory to where you are now has definitely taken a lot of twists and turns. But before we get into that, I'd like for you to tell the viewers a little bit about kind of your origin story, where you come from, when I understand you're a fellow Boricua from, well, I'm from Queens, you're from the Bronx. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So tell us a little bit about how it was like growing up for the Bronx and kind of how you found your way into fashion. Yeah, um, yeah I grew up in the Bronx, welfare family. Uh, I spent a good amount of time homeless, begging on streets every so often. Um, really just a very, very loving family, but one with not a lot of means. Uh, and I remember just being fortunate enough to be someone who loved to study and loved to learn and, and was just very, very, uh, intellectual and was able to excel within um, the system that I was in and, and what I was raised with. Uh, I went to college and just kind of fell in love with the fashion industry within New York. Um, so I started working with fashion startups, uh, worked with one for a little bit and then became inspired to start a fashion blog, uh, which was kind of interesting because I was just like a kid from the Bronx writing about fashion. Uh, didn't really know much about it and really took the approach of being an outsider. Um, someone who was not part of the industry but was trying to comment on it. Um, the blog became very, very popular. We would talk about race in the industry and you know, which designers were putting white models versus Hispanic models versus black models on the runway. Um, we would talk about you know, these issues that were happening within um, fashion production and you know, sweatshops and all this other stuff. And we kind of took a very you know, kind of tongue-in-cheek, but we were kind of the assholes of fashion. Um, and the industry wasn't really ready for that at that time. <laughs> <laughs> the industry was not ready for that at the time. And New York Observer wrote an article uh, where they called me the Perez Hilton of fashion. And it was just like this whole thing within the industry where I was just very much like attacking the industry. But in truth, I actually did love it and I, I excelled in it. Um, and in that time of writing the blog, we got to about 5 million readers per month. Um, started consulting with brands like Louis Vuitton on how to work with influencers, how to work with bloggers. Um, you know, this was before bloggers were even being let into Fashion Week. It was just kind of this new thing that they had to pay attention to because every so often they'd get like a negative post and then they'd see it and freak out and like be like, I don't know what to do. Um, so we started working with these brands. Um, sold that company, then became chief marketing officer of a brand called Rebecca Minkoff. Um, grew that brand um, pretty rapidly, just working with influencers, working on social media, you know, focusing in on social media as a main means to connect to the audience, uh, which at the time no one was really doing. Um, left that. Started a company called Socialite. Uh, Socialite now represents about 150 strong digital influencers, people who have over a million followers and who are making close to a million dollars a year. Uh, about three years ago, we merged that company with Nylon, uh, then took over innovation at Nylon. Um, really took that brand from a company that was probably about to shut down fairly soon to one that became a leader uh, in digital and won awards for it and really, really did amazing things. Um, in that time, I kind of, 
I guess I would say I just became disenfranchised with the industry. Um, it felt like it was just this constant flow of consumerism um, and this constant flow of trying to convince people to buy things that you know they really didn't need. You know, and I felt like there was something missing in you know what I was doing, and, and I wasn't feeling fulfilled. Like we were getting great campaigns, we we're making millions of dollars on like the agency growth and everything else, and doing really well, but. I felt like I wasn't actually selling a product that I was proud to sell. Um, so I started looking at the cannabis industry and I started looking at sexual wellness. And I realized those two industries were not only growing very, very rapidly, um, they didn't have anyone really focusing in on how to market them and how to present them to you know, the millennials. Um, so we started creating events. Uh, the events were designed for very, very influential people in New York to experience things in sex and drugs, and we called them legal adventures in sex, drugs, and mischief. Uh, and we started testing, we started workshopping these various events and basically found out that through education and through teaching people about things and through opening up a space and, and making it very open in terms of thought and, and freedom of what people can do, um, we were able to educate people on sex, we were able to introduce products to them, and we were able to create an agency around that. Um, and now we have you know, 575 members, we host uh, what's been called New York's what's it, most private elite sex club. <laughs> no, we don't consider ourselves a sex club. Um, but we basically have become known now for producing these amazing events, um, having this very, very highly curated group of people who attend, um, and working with brands who desperately want to connect to those people. Um, and it's now becoming kind of like an influencer-based agency that connects to the brands who are in the space, connects to the media brands in the space like High Times and Complex and Arsenic TV and really, really big players there. Um, and also this group, this really, really carefully curated group of people who are influential beyond just having Instagram followers, but are CEOs and you know, Fortune 500 kids and you know, 30 under 30s and tech startups and models and celebrities and like just this amazing group of people come together once a week to come together. Mm. How did you develop your tone of voice, your approach? Um, you know, for people who know you, know, they know that you're somewhat provocative, disruptive. Uh, <laughs> you have to be disruptive to kind of look at um, sexual wellness as an area of opportunity when it's, there's so much inhibition uh, that's kind of inherent um, yeah. to that subject matter. But going back to the uh, inspiration that inspired your, your blog and, and the tone of voice that you, t you took, where, where did that come from? Uh, you know, I feel like a lot of, just my understanding of like the industry and industries that are especially guarded, like fashion was a very, very guarded industry. Um, you know, I studied e-commerce, I studied technology, and I kind of understood that there was a change coming. You know, a, a big shift in how people approach fashion where digital would become more and more important. And you know, the ability for people to create these blogs, and at the time we had MySpace, and that was probably about it. I think Facebook had maybe just launched. Um, we had this opportunity now to talk to these audiences and to connect to them, um, and no one was really figuring out how to do that um, intelligently. So really going after that was like, let me make a lot of noise. Uh, let me do what works on the internet right now, which is kind of being like a Perez Hilton. And at the mm -hmm. time, that was like mm -hmm. how you grew a blog. Um, it was before like personal lifestyle bloggers were really like picking up. So it was just like a fashion news site that, you know, didn't give a fuck. We, we, our whole thing was sex, drugs, and hot couture. Like that mm -hmm. was like our whole little slogan on the sex side and, and the drug side. I think a lot of that um, just came from my own discovery and my own feelings about myself. Like I, you know, realized I was bisexual and I've been bisexual for a long time, but realized it came to a point where I wasn't identifying with anyone 
in Hollywood, because like there's you know, a lot of people coming out as gay and a lot of people who are just straight and a lot of rumors of people, but uh, male bisexuals don't really exist that much. Um, so I felt there was a need for me to be more open about that. Um, also, I'm polyamorous, so I felt the need to be more open about that. And you know, my ideal scenario requires you know two people, so um, it's different than most. Uh, and I went to Burning Man, and <laughs> <laughs> and Burning Man helped me really realize something that um, a that lot. You're not that different. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You, you go there, and you're like, ah, oh, this is just kind of yeah. really normal here. <laughs> um, and at Burning Man, you know, you have all these sex camps. You have all these camps focusing on kink and BDSM and electroplay and just literally anything and everything you can imagine and conversations on polyamory, conversations around bisexuality and sexual identity and there was this openness that was being taught there mm. um, and workshops and, and education that was being provided there that really didn't exist anywhere else. Um, so NSFW became very focused on bringing that experience to New York, making it available to a very catered group of individuals and finding the most influential people because those people will impact how the rest of the world thinks. What's um, driving that with millennials right now? I mean, I, you, you can see that millennials are more open and more liberated uh, than previous generations. What's, what's some of the driving factors that's creating kind of this uh, interest in adopting more of a free-spirited lifestyle? Um, I think most are just disillusioned by what has kind of been told to them as the norm, you know? They know they're not gonna get married young. You know, but they are still like on this idea that I have to get married, I have to have kids, I have to do this before this time, I have to like focus on this. But they know it's not happening. And a lot more of them are now waking up to this, you know, world in which tomorrow you could be dead. Like tomorrow it could be the end. Tomorrow there could be this. We have Trump in office and we're all fucking freaking out every single time there's a Facebook update. And you have this kind of feeling and this like fear that, you know, there's less time than we actually have. And I think that with this whole generation that's looking not to get married, that with this whole generation that's accepting you know, gay marriage and trans rights and all these other things as things that you have to be aware of and, and care about, you know, that coupled with legalization of cannabis across the country and it coming sooner, we're gonna have a new generation of flower children. And, and that's what we're preparing for. Mm. And a lot of what NSFW does is tap into that. So you have over 500 influencers now that make up the community in NSFW. H how are they finding you? Are they signing up? Is there a place where they can go and sign up? Are you recruiting them or curating this 500 uh, person list and growing that? Um... Um, well, the, the list of the people who are part of the private club. So we have you know NSFW private club, NSFW agency. Mm -hmm. The people in the private club, a lot of it was, you know, just close network of people who I knew. Uh -huh. um, but pretty soon we're completely blocking off the ability for people to join um, and just letting members choose who gets to come and who gets to be a part uh -huh. of it. But it really was just word of mouth. We haven't done any true marketing, um, which we plan to do soon. Is it a physical space or are these just a series of events that you curate that move around? Um, we have this house, basically. It's a clubhouse. Um, we're planning for some larger events. So we've been talking to House of Yes to do a 300 plus member event. Uh, talking to the Museum of Sex for a, a Fashion Week activation that we're putting together. Uh, we'll be launching a jewelry line with a fairly recognized designer, which we're really excited about. The collection will only be available to members. Um, so we're developing like this kind of community uh, that's super exclusive, uh, and we just have this awesome, massive house that we get to play in. That sounds like a pretty cool place. Um, <laughs> oh. Just waiting for the, the, sauna, the sauna and hot tub are coming. <laughs> Those are the important uh, developments that we had to get.
So I, I'm, I'm interested to see what that sponsorship package looks like in terms of the product placement deals that you have. It's really good. I mean, it's, it's like I'm one of the few people whose sex life is sponsored. So I'm very excited about that. Sustain Naturals, love you. Uber Lube, love you. Um, no, but we have like, there's so many condom brands. Like yeah. think about condom marketing and what condom brands have to do. Yeah. Like if you're Trojan, then you're spending on TV, right? Mm -hmm. There's limits to where you can advertise. You know, if you're a sex toy brand, you can't really advertise on Facebook. You can't advertise on Twitter and you can't, you can advertise on Google, but it's ineffective. So now you kind of have like tons of money because you have 90% markups on all the stuff that you produce. It's all made in China. You're making tons of money off of every single product sold. You have a massive marketing budget. How do you use that? And a lot of these brands don't spend on marketing because they don't really need to, mm -hmm. but they still want to do fun shit. Yeah. They still want to do big things and they still want to be seen as leaders in the field. So a lot of the programs that we're doing right now are just like the first time it's ever been done, but the results have been obvious. So I would say that there's obviously um, a relevant sales pitch to both uh, to some non-endemic brands. You mentioned brands like Trojan, um, you know, even some you know spirits brands. You think kind of uh, would make a lot of sense just in, in endemically to aligning with what you guys are, are talking about and what you're offering. But what about the non-endemic brand? You know, I'm I'm Car X, yeah. or you know, I'm you know, a soft drink or a Red Bull. I mean, where where's the opportunity? Because obviously you want to expand your reach into that pool of non-endemic yeah. brands and kind of convince them that there's a real viable opportunity here. Um, do you kind of get them in gradually? Do you throw them in the deep end right away? I mean, what's, you know, how are you talking to those types of uh, companies? Um, yeah, I mean, right now we're working with a fairly large water brand. Mm -hmm. um, and the pitch is, you know, of our agency and the pitch of everything we do is, you know, to uh, be more adventurous. You know, mm -hmm. we call ourselves a digital agency for the adventurous. Um, so in that, we look at what defines adventure amongst the millennial set. Yes, sex and cannabis are part of that, mm -hmm. but really, you know, it's that guy who's climbing to the top of the Empire State Building and shooting a video and getting 22 million views. Yeah. So that's adventurous, yeah. right? He's doing something legal. He's doing something mischievous. And in doing that, he's racking up tons of views. You know, it's looking at the people whose life is dedicated to surfing or to climbing mountains or to traveling or to dancing rather than taking a traditional career. So sex is a component, but it's not everything. Right, Here exactly. You gotta, yeah. So when we go to one of these brands, it's like, it's funny because it's like they know about like all the naughty and they like it. They're like, okay, you know, you're getting a lot of attention, you're getting a lot of press, brands are working with you. Um, but then we present to them, you know, the, the actual method of talking to that audience and it becomes about choosing the right influencers. And we, we choose the right creators, we choose the right artists, we choose the right photographers. We present it all. We have an entire like database that we've created, like a tech that just tracks and, and monitors a lot of that stuff. So we give them that and then we give them activations. And the activations are exclusive to us. So if they wanted to do like right now we're doing this festival, Gratitude Migration, it's taking place in Jersey, 5,000 plus people. Like it's not Coachella level pricing, mm -hmm. but it makes sense, so it connects you to your audience. So we present that. And then we layer on the influencers into whatever program we're doing, and now that program that you spent you know, $20,000 for has an impact of two million people, and here's how we track that, here's how we pay attention to that, here's how we, we manage that. So it's not just about the sex brands and the cannabis brands, we'll get all those brands naturally, and that's an easy get for us. You know, it's about convincing, you know, Coca-Cola mm -hmm. to be a little bit more adventurous and let us send a couple of influencers on a trip to like, you know, the next big wave, mm -hmm. you know, and, and have them there and have them experience that. Yeah. And just, you know, this part is fun, but this part really is just kind of like, I don't know, it's one piece that we're focusing on. Mm -hmm. So what's, what's next for you, man? Like, what's the ultimate goal? Like, so NSFW, you guys off to, seems like a fast start. It's only a few years old. 
No, I mean, I've only been on it now for three months. Um, three months? I was workshopping before okay. that. Okay. So it was like secret until three months ago. Um, so you got a house, you, you're about to land a big water brand, right? <laughs> yeah. You know, um, you're starting a festival. I mean, that's, that's a, a whole lot of things that you got going on in a short period of time. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think, you know, right now what's next for NSFW, specifically within the membership and, and the tech that we're developing for that membership is really to focus in and make sure that we have the right people associated with the brand. Mm. Um, you know, if we're gonna scale it, if we're gonna take it into other cities, you know, we're already looking at Miami, we're already considering LA. We have offers to like do a pop-up in Singapore right now, um, which is so random. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, come to Singapore, do an SFW party. I'm like, uh, I, do you know what our parties are? <laughs> um, and how long Korea, it takes to build this. South Korea. Yeah, I know, yeah. but, um, so we're getting these requests. So I think right now we are focusing in on the membership and making sure that we have the strongest group of people to expand it. Um, we are going for investment right now. We have a couple of investors on board to help support um, just all the real estate we're going to need to buy for the next couple of houses. Um, and we're going to keep building that like slowly, organically, little pop-ups here and there, larger parties, larger events, things that people get excited about. Um, we have a jewelry line collection launching very soon, things that are specifically for members. Um, after that, we'll, we'll probably expand to a second city. On the agency side, that's just growing really, really fast. Um, so, you know, we're trying to find out how many clients we want to take on and how quickly we want to grow that piece. Um, I've been a little bit slow on, like, which clients I approve um, and which clients I say, okay, we will work with you. Right now, we've just been trying to do it right. Um, but eventually, we'll have more content online. We'll have our own publication. We're working on an anthology book. Um, that's a collection of all these member confessionals and like true stories within NSFW. Um, and we'll have like a deluxe version that includes some like panties that were left behind. We have a lot of underwear. Um, <laughs> I see like the sign release forms yeah. on that. Way. Um, and then we have interest um, from uh, some dispensaries that want to license a name as a dispensary brand that would mm -hmm. be dispensary plus toys and kind of create this new model for how to sell sin. Um, I don't know, it's a, it's a good brand. It's like, once you have a good brand, you can do pretty much anything. So the NSFW and being known as like the brand for naughty people is like a good thing right now. Well, Daniel, thank you so much for coming by, man. I, I wanna wish you so much luck. And uh, it, it seems like you got it all figured out. I mean, <laughs> bit, but you, you got a lot going on and uh, you definitely got a unique idea. And, um, and you come from humble beginnings to see a self-made guy like, like yourself go from the fashion industry. No, no, no. <laughs> from the fashion industry, obviously, to owning a piece of a magazine to um, being the CMO of a major fashion brand to now kind of starting a movement to kind of liberate people's minds sexually, I think is, is very admirable. And congratulations, man. Appreciate Thank it. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Awesome. Mm -hmm.